Welcome to the Life Church of Kansas City podcast. Please consider following, sharing, and supporting by giving at tlckcmo.com. May you be blessed by the word of God. Amen. I want to minister the subject this morning facing the Sanhedrin for our trials. Facing the Sanhedrin for our trials. As you remain seated, reading to you in the Old Testament first in Psalm, Psalm 35, verses 11 and 12, the Bible says, Fierce witnesses rise up. They ask me things that I do not know, and they reward me evil for good to the great sorrow, to the sorrow of my soul. From the New Testament, Matthew chapter number 26, verses 57 through 58. And those who had laid hold of Jesus led him away to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the scribes and the elders were assembled. But Peter followed him at a distance to the high priest's courtyard, and he went in and sat with the servants to see the end. Now the chief priests, the elders, and all the council sought false testimony against Jesus to put him to death, but found none. Even though many false witnesses came forward, they found none. But at last, two false witnesses came forward and said, This fellow said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and to build it in three days. And the high priest arose and said to him, Do you answer nothing? What is it these men testify against you? But Jesus kept silent, and the high priest answered and said to him, I put you under oath by the living God. Tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. And Jesus said to him, It is as you said. Nevertheless, I say to you, hereafter you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his clothes saying, He has spoken blasphemy. What further need do we have of any more witnesses? Look now, you have heard his blasphemy. What do you think? And they answered and said, He is deserving of death. And then they spat on his face and beat him. And others struck him with the palms of their hands, saying, Prophesy to us, Christ, who is the one who struck you. Facing the Sanhedrin for our trials. This message is for anyone today who feels in this resurrection season, you feel defeated. You feel like you are being challenged for the good that you have done. I've come to tell you that God is going to fight the battle for you today. He's going to fight the battle for you today. Amen. I am a pastor's son, and uh, some of you know that usually the worst kid in the youth group is usually the pastor's son. But by God's grace, I didn't fit that stereotypes of PKs, hallelujah. Although I did a few pranks here and there, but uh, the Bible says thou shalt not prank, or it doesn't say thou shalt not prank, (laughs) praise the Lord. But uh, it may or may not have got a little out of control 20 years ago, my freshman year of Bible college, man, I feel old. I may or may not during our 
uh, Christmas play that we put on in Bible college. We did a big Christmas play there at Bible college. We'd have all the animals come in, you know, to, with the shepherds, all the sheep, the camels, and goats and everything. And I may or may not have gotten one of those goats and released him on the girl's floor in the dorm. <laughs> oh, that was so funny listening through that door for about two minutes, nothing. Then all of a sudden, bah, bah. <laughs> yes. Sorry for any of those girls that were in that class that year. I may or may not have discovered something you could do with nylons. You can put a water balloon at the bottom of it, fill it with shaving cream, stand on the top floor of the building and throw that thing. It'll stretch about 50 feet down and go into whatever window (laughs) you want to put it in. I may or may not have done things like that. And everybody knew it. There was one year... Loud fireworks went off on campus inside of the girls' dorm in the library. And the very next morning at 7 a.m., they called me and set me before the campus pastor, before the dean of students, before everybody, and interrogated me and questioned me. And I did everything I could do to convince them that it wasn't me because it wasn't, but they weren't having it. You know why? Because I had a reputation of pulling pranks. And your reputation will always precede you. But thankfully, the guilty party, my good friend who is now a pastor, I won't say his name, stepped forward and admitted his wrong, and I was acquitted there on trial. I'll tell you that funny story to lighten the mood, but some of us are far more guilty of any prank or any joke, but some of us have done things that we would be embarrassed to tell this church. Many of us were put on trial. Many of us were interrogated for the wrong that we have done. And some of us still have to suffer consequences to this day. But even though you may not have a criminal record and you may have never had to appear before a judge, understand this, that all of us have something greater in our reputation and something greater on our resume And that is what the New Testament says, all have sinned and have come short of the glory of God. All of us, amen, are like filthy rags like we sung about in the eyes of God. All of us are prone to temptation. All of us have the potential to do wickedness. But thank God, amen, for a God that came and manifested in the flesh, the man Jesus Christ who said, I know they're guilty, but I'm going to pay the penalty for them. I'll suffer so they don't have to suffer. I'll die and be buried so they don't have to die and be buried. And I'll rise again to give them a new home in heaven someday. Amen. That's the passion of the Lord Jesus Christ. Can you clap your hands if you're thankful for it? Hallelujah. It was in Gethsemane that he bore our griefs and sorrows. Isn't that something just like the prophet said? He was stricken by God and bore our griefs and sorrows. Before he ever took on our sin and shame, you know what he was doing there in the garden? It was God pressing the blood, the great drops of blood out of his body for anyone who has grief and for anyone who has sorrow. It is no wonder that Jesus said, Father, take this cup from me because in the mind and the body of the Lord, the griefs and the sorrows of the world were even a greater burden than our sin and our transgression. And I've come to tell you, anybody who has come today with mental anguish, you can be delivered today 
because of what Jesus did in Gethsemane for you. Anybody, amen, with a psychological struggle could leave here with a free mind today. I'm talking about a God, amen, who could set you free from dark thoughts. Amen, could set you free, amen, from being captive in your mind because he did it right there in the garden for you and for you and for all of you. Hallelujah. It was on that whipping post and upon that cross at Calvary that he was wounded for our transgressions and he was bruised for our iniquities and by his stripes that we are healed. It was there in that tomb for three days and three nights as his body lay cold in that tomb and his soul went down into hell. He went down into hell so you and I would not have to, hallelujah. He resurrected and he ascended, amen, For those that follow him here and now, amen, we can follow him into eternity. That's why we are so passionate about the passion of our Christ, because it gave us hope for a future. You and I do not have to sorrow as this world sorrows for death, but you and I, we don't die, but rather rest, because one day all who rest in the name of the Lord are going to waken in the resurrection, and we'll all be caught up together. You want to know why that happened? It was because he was betrayed. It was because he sweat great drops of blood. It was because he died on a cross. It was because he was buried in a tomb. It was because he rose again. Hallelujah. If it were not for those things, we would never have had a Pentecost. We would have never had the church. We wouldn't have what we have today, but because of Calvary, you and I have a chance to make it. What part did the trial of Jesus have in all of this? I believe through the scripture, through the Psalms, through the prophets in the New Testament, he faced the court of the Sanhedrin for our trials. He faced it for our trials accusations. He faced it for all of the false witnesses that would rise against us. The Sanhedrin was a group that came out of the Old Testament. God spoke to Moses and said, I want you to raise up 70 elders and through you and the 70 elders you will judge my people. These 70 judges plus Moses through the hundreds of years in the Old Testament history they became known as the Sanhedrin, but here in Kansas City, we'll just say Sanhedrin. How about that? It was taken from the Greek word Sanhedrion, which means to sit together. It was a group of 71 high priests, chief priests, scribes, and many elders that made up this council. I have in my possession a large stack, many of them digital now, of ancient rabbinical histories, rabbinical traditions, and rabbinical ways and manners, and I have researched this according to the rabbinical Mishnah. It is said that the Sanhedrin, this was written even long before Jesus' time, that the Sanhedrin were commanded. They set a precedent for themselves in their writings. You can look it up, Mishnah 7.4, if you want to do it. The Sanhedrin court, they would only meet during the daytime. Never on a Sabbath. This was their own rules they made for themselves. Never only meet in the daytime, never at night. Never meet on a Sabbath. Never meet on one of the feast days, Passover. They would never meet on first fruits. They would never meet on unleavened bread. They would never meet on Pentecost or Day of Atonement or Trumpets or the Feast of Tabernacles. Never any of those. Never to even meet on the feast eves. They could never, by their own terms, initiate arrests. 
The council could not do that, arrest somebody. What they would do if there was an issue with a lawbreaker, they would bring forward the witnesses and the testimonies of these witnesses, always with a minimum of two. Then they would question the accused and they would judge according to the law. No attorneys, no lawyers, none of that, just witnesses and questioning the accused. And that is how they made judgments. The Sanhedrin could condemn the accused to death for sexual immorality, for idolatry, for witchcraft, for the cursing of their father or mother, for a stubborn or a rebellious son. And yes, they could condemn to death through stoning somebody convicted of blasphemy. From Moses to the year 4 CE, four years after the common era, little over 2,000 years ago, from Moses to this time when Jesus was born, the Sanhedrin judged by death. But all of that ended when the Roman Empire came in and took control of Jerusalem and much of Israel through extortion. And the Romans said to the Sanhedrin, you can no longer condemn anybody to death. That is our job. This was a fulfillment of prophecy in Genesis 49. Israel, Jacob said, that a scepter and a lawgiver would depart when Shiloh comes. Shiloh, the ancient word for a peaceful situation. Who was born? Who came to the world around 4 CE? The Lord Jesus Christ. Thus fulfilling that prophecy. At the time of our Lord's birth, it fulfilled the word of God. And the scepter and the lawgiver ceased from the land of Israel. You want to know why? Because Jesus is the lawgiver and he is the one can execute judgment. And I'm so glad he does. Praise God. The Sanhedrin sat enthroned in their court in anger and in frustration and willing to drop the hammer on anybody. But our Lord God in heaven, it doesn't say that he has the hammer in his hand, but it says he is enthroned in mercy. Are you thankful for a merciful God? Hallelujah. The Sanhedrin, who ruled from Jerusalem, ruled the land out of their courts. The first time Jesus ever met him, he was 12 years old. And the Bible says that he astonished them with his understanding. And then 20 we, 21 years later, that Passover week, he rode in on a small colt, a small donkey, fulfilling the prophecy that your Redeemer comes in riding lowly upon a colt. The people welcomed him. They cried out to him, Hosanna. They took off their coats and laid them down, and they waved the palm branches as they would do in that time whenever they had won a great victory. And their word for freedom was the word, Hosanna. Praise God. He came into their temple and saw the place where normally people would pray, mainly Gentiles and women. And instead of the Gentiles and the women having a place to pray, he saw nothing but businessmen, nothing but businesswomen. And Jesus said, there's nothing wrong with buying and selling, but you are not going to buy and sell where my people are supposed to be praying. Come on. Imagine this. Right now, I know a lot of you guys can cook. If you all brought in your smokers and put them up here in the altar area and started smoking meat during this service, there wouldn't be a whole lot of prayer at the altar call. We'd be ready for some ribs. That's why we protect this sanctuary and we protect this place. You know why? Because people come here needing an answer from God and needing to get a hold of God. And we never, ever want to take that away from anybody. Praise the Lord. The Sanhedrin interrogated this Jesus. 
They asked him questions that they would normally ask somebody that they felt would rise and raise an insurrection to drive out the Roman Empire. They questioned him about taxes, and he said, whose face is on your coins? And they said, he said, Caesar, and he said, render unto God what belongs to God, the tithing. And he said, render unto Caesar what belongs to Caesar, and that is the taxes. They asked him questions about marriage. They asked him questions about the afterlife. They asked him, is he the God or is the resurrection real? And he said to them, does the Bible not say that he is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? And he said, is he the God of the dead or the God of the living? And every question he had an answer and they stood stunned and in silence just like he did to them when he was only 12 years old. The Sanhedrin knew knew that there was something different and special about this Jesus, unlike any other person who had come to their city. Several years before that, according to history, there was a man by the name of Barabbas that came into Jerusalem and claimed to be a great one and raised up an army and raised up an insurrection. He was against the Sanhedrin, this Barabbas. And according to history, it says that he saw one of the Sanhedrin coming out of a sinful place, a Roman bathhouse, and and Barabbas, being a zealot, took his dagger and killed that Sanhedrin, and they imprisoned him. And we later read about him in the Bible story. The Sanhedrin had political alliances with Rome, and they believed that they could do whatever they had to do for their name, for their nation, whatever they had to do to keep the Romans happy. And this is why they interrogated Jesus, but every time they interrogated him, they found no fault in him. They knew that if they were ever going to get rid of him, they had to plot his murder. They bribed somebody on the inside who had become disgruntled by somebody's worship. It was Judas who sat there at meet with the Lord and a woman came in with an alabaster box and broke it upon the Lord. And Jesus said, she has come to anoint my body for the burying. None of you washed my feet. None of you showed me hospitality. But this woman of a low status came in here prophetically and anointed my body for the burying. And Judas looked at that and said, that money should have been given to the poor. That should have been put away. Why was this squandered, my friend? Never mock somebody's offering. Oh, my friend, that's an open door for the devil. Never mock finishing strong. Never mock the message of giving. Hallelujah. You just may be headed down the road of Judas, but I say anybody who wants to break the box on the Lord's feet or his head today, you're welcome to break the box. Hallelujah. Because he's been so good. To us, hallelujah. Praise God. But he was of the same spirit as them, and they gave him 30 pieces of silver. That is how carnal and blind they were. For the prophet even said, Zechariah, they weighed out my price and my wages for 30 pieces of silver, just like the prophet said. They arrested Jesus against their own rules. They did not try him in broad daylight like they did everyone else, but they broke their own rules and tried him by night. They did not try him on a regular week in the year. Oh, no, they had to try him on the highest holy week of the year, the week most important to Israel. They had to try him during Passover. They did not bring people that actually saw him commit a crime, but rather they paid and raised up false witnesses to come in and to slander and accuse him. But the Bible says that all of their witnesses disagreed. Nobody could give the same thing. Nobody could say the same words or give the exact place or time. 
The Bible says that one false witness rose up and they said that Jesus said he would destroy this temple. And Caiaphas called upon him, but he would not answer as a fulfillment, amen, to the psalm that we read, Psalm 35. They speak about things that I don't even know about. They call my good evil. Many false witnesses have arisen, and he did not say a word. And I think also he didn't say a word because there were secretly many Sanhedrin who believed that Jesus was Lord, but the Bible said they kept it secret and they kept silent. And I think that is another reason why the Lord would not speak in that moment. Can I tell you this? If you won't speak out for God, he will not speak out for you. If you will not walk with this God, he will not walk with you. You walk alone. But if you will testify of the goodness of God, he will fight for you. If you're not afraid to share your testimony, he will testify that he knows you. Praise God. Well, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. They railed upon him. They accused him. They raised up false witnesses against him. And the Bible says that they even began to strike him across the face and he gave the other cheek. You know, he taught his followers that and he practiced what they taught, what he taught. In that time in the legal situation to get a rise out of the accused, many of the soldiers would begin to beat and to strike the accused to disorient them and to anger them. But our Lord did not get angry The Bible says, just like a sheep led to the slaughter, our Lord kept his mouth silent. He obeyed what Jeremiah wrote in in the book of Lamentations. It is blessed to give your cheek to be smitten for a reproach. They accused him of blasphemy. You know, Jesus never blasphemed not one time. The Lord had no sin. He never murdered He never raised up an insurrection. He never did any of those things. But you look at the Sanhedrin, it was they who were committing sins. It says when Caiaphas heard what the Lord said, that yes, it is as you say, you say I'm the son of God, I am the son of God. It says that Caiaphas tore his garments. You know what the Bible says in Leviticus 21 and verse 10? The high priest shall not ever tear their garments. Situation after situation in this story, it is not our Lord who sinned or transgressed, but over and over, it was the Sanhedrin, the false accusers of the living God. He had no sin. He never murdered. He never raised an insurrection. He never put his words against the Lord's chosen, the high priest. He never threatened to destroy the temple, but he prophesied that one day they would destroy his temple, his own body, and raise it up. He did not clearly say to them that he was the son of God. He didn't have to. He called himself the son of man. He didn't have to say I'm the son of God because the signs that he did showed that he was the son of God. And there came a witness, a voice from heaven at his baptism. Praise the Lord. It was the Sanhedrin who accused Jesus of being guilty of claiming to destroy the temple claiming also to be a blasphemer, but it was not him. It was the Sanhedrin who did it, for it was their rebellion and their leadership about 40 years after this that led to the destruction of Jerusalem and their temple by the Romans in A.D. 70. It was them who blasphemed. They called the works of Jesus the works of Satan. He was casting out a devil, and they said he does this by the works of Satan. And Jesus said, be careful 
because if you blaspheme against the Holy Spirit, there will be no forgiveness for you. I pity people who call us tongue talkers full of the devil. The call it Satan is blasphemy. Who criticize us for our worship. Let me tell you this. Everything that we do, we've got Bible for it. And we've got the signs for it. Because God has been good to us and therefore we perform it in Jesus' name. They struck him. They spit upon him. In one place it said they began to pull the hairs out of his beard. According to Isaiah chapter 50, Messiah would not cover his face from humiliation or spitting, but he would take it upon himself. You know want to know why? Because he was struck for everyone who feels struck. And I feel like this season a lot of us feel like the Lord right now. We feel like we've been blindfolded. We feel like we've been blindsided. And the enemy is striking us and smiting us and causing harm to us all around, and we have no idea where it comes from. Let me tell you this, the Lord knows what it feels like to be blinded and struck. He knows what it feels like to have the the enemy intimidate him, saying, who struck you? Prophesy unto me. Use your gifts right here and now. Blaspheming the Lord. Let me tell you this, anybody who goes through that, the Lord knows exactly what it feels like. And what do you do with it? Take it. You want to know why? Because great is your reward in heaven. Let the enemy go ahead and talk. You want to know why? They're projecting their own sins upon you and projecting their own, their own mistakes upon you. That's what the devil does. That's all he's ever done is to try to dig up your past. Your past is his present and his future. Your past of sin is what he is here and now. You're no longer the liar. He's the liar. You're no longer the fornicator. He's the fornicator. You're no longer the idolater. He's the idolater. You're no longer going to hell. That is his fate. And for every strike and every smite, great is your reward in heaven. Can you clap your hands unto the Lord? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. The Lord at any moment could have revealed to them who struck him. And not only that, but he could have revealed every sin that they had ever committed. He could have talked to them about the law. He could have challenged them on the law, but he had already done that and they never listened. You know, the Sanhedrin in broad daylight brought somebody, a woman who committed adultery, and brought her before him and said, judge her. The law says she should be stoned. And what does Jesus do? Gets down in the dirt and begins to write as if he hears them not. You know what was going on there? The Bible says in the law of Moses that if a wife was suspicious of being unfaithful, if a husband felt jealousy for her, he could bring her before the priest, even if he couldn't prove it, if there was no witnesses, the priest, according to the law, could scoop up dust from the dirt floor, put it in a cup, fill it with water, And have her drink it. If she drank it and she was innocent, she could walk away free. But if she was guilty, she would become very sick. You know what the Lord is doing there that day? He's saying, all right, you want to do the law? Let's do the law. And he probably would have said, let's all of you start drinking, amen, the dirt. Let's see what happens. It's no wonder they backed up and dropped the rocks. Because they knew what would happen right there. 
Let me tell you what, our Lord knew the law. He never broke the law, but he came to be something greater, and that was to replace the law with himself, and that was the law of grace. It was the law of truth, and it was the law of forgiveness, and I've come to tell you, if you've got the Holy Ghost, you can drink whatever, and it will not harm you. Amen. You can drink whatever the world throws against you, and you will not be harmed. Amen. For your name has been written in heaven. Praise God. Hallelujah. Musicians, please come. This week, this story, what it represents, it's the story of the Lord's suffering, facing the Sanhedrin, their lies, their accusations, so that the guilty could go free, so that those of us on trial could go free. By God's grace, I've never been involved in a legal matter. I've never been involved in a lawsuit by God's grace, and I pray that I never have to. Some of you have. But I have been and appeared in the courts of law to represent some people in this church. I won't say this individual's name, but there was somebody in this church some time ago. They felt that if I would appear there just in the visitor's section, that it possibly could help their situation. I went through security it was, a, it was in the federal system. It was a very serious situation, and this individual was looking at some long prison time. And I remember as I walked in, I said, Lord, give me favor in the eyes of this judge, and give, Lord, the accused favor in the eyes of this judge. Lord, Barabbas went free. I pray, Lord, amen, this person would go free. I pray, Lord, for this person. And to my shock and amazement, as we all rised and gave honor to that judge, he sat down. And he said, I woke up this morning ready to sentence you to a long time in prison. But he said, something has been stirring in me. And I look over and see this preacher over here. And I feel something inside of me. I'm going to do something I've never done. For this crime, I've sent many to prison. But for you, I'm only going to give you probation. He said, I can't explain it. I can't understand it. But I feel something urging me to do that. There is no way on earth that that was an accident. There was no way that was a coincidence. But it was God who had mercy and said, I died on a cross for that situation. And I'm going to give an individual, amen, a second chance at life. Praise God. And I say unto you, your legal matter is in God's hands. It is. In God's hands. Let's all stand together. Hallelujah. Oh, praise the Lord. I feel him in this house today with us. Caiaphas watched the Lord suffer and bleed on that cross. They watched him be buried in that tomb. And according to Christian tradition, it says that a week after Passover... The Lord appeared in the room where Caiaphas was. It's in the Arco volume. You can read it. That the Lord appeared in the room with Caiaphas. And Caiaphas, stunned and shaking, the Lord said to him, Caiaphas, the high priest of God's people, I am the last great sacrifice that you will ever offer to God. And the Lord vanished. Caiaphas in that moment saw the Lord just as he said he would appear at the right hand of power and coming in clouds, which is a spiritual term, to have a spiritual manifestation. 
He saw it in that moment. And according to Roman history, Josephus even says that Caiaphas resigned the week after the Lord resurrected. Our Lord Jesus is real. He was a real individual. And he really taught. He really preached. He really healed. He really delivered. And he really stood. A young man, only 33 years old, before 71 older men. And he stood there all alone. All alone, nobody to speak for him. And you know why he did it? For you. Because all of us were on trial. Yes, here and there in the courts of men here, but in the spirit world, because you and I have an accuser that accuses us day and night before the throne of God. He stood there on trial for your trial that would one day take place in heaven. You and I have done things that in the old days were worthy of being stoned for, worthy of being crucified for. But because of the grace of God, Jesus Christ, they put nails in his hands and in his feet, and he hung there upon the cross so you and I would not have to suffer judgment in the afterlife. Anytime the devil falsely accuses you, God is saying, I don't see it. All I see is my blood. All I see is my water. All I see is my name. All I see is my spirit. That's why he faced the Sanhedrin. That's why he was on trial. And I feel the pull of Messiah today saying you can make it through this temptation. You can make it through this trial that you are in. There are some of you that are suffering greatly for doing good. There are some of you, amen, you have worked hard and you have done everything that you know to do. But for whatever reason, the enemy is still all around you. I've come to tell you, if you will pour out your faith upon the Lord, what he went through in that trial, God is going to turn the situation around, even this week. I've come to tell you that promotion that belonged to you and somebody else got it, your time is coming. Your time is coming. The Lord is going to do it in a way so that you can say, God did it. If it had not been for him, it's going to be him. This altar is open for anybody that feels like Jesus right now. For anybody that feels like you're going exactly through what the Lord went through. I've come to tell you, amen, he's already went through it. He knows what you're going through. I invite you to come down to this altar right now and just call out to the Lord and say, my God, free me. My God, give me Hosanna. My God, liberate me. Hallelujah, wave your palm branches to him. If you want to, take off your coat as it were and lay it before the Lord and say, God, I'm welcoming you into my life today. Hallelujah. Amen. I want to call upon the God who stood before me at that council because I am standing before a great council today. I want to have that freedom and liberation. I want the bondage of darkness broken off of me. I want the darkness of this world to break off of me. I want the help from the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There is a liberation in here today. Hallelujah. Some of you, it's been a long time since you weeped in the presence of the Lord. I'm telling you, if you feel tears, let them out before the Lord. That's the message of Calvary. Amen. He suffered for your suffering. He went through pain for your pain. He went through grief for your grief. Hallelujah. And he stood on trial for your trial. Hallelujah. I say to you, you're innocent today. I say unto you, amen, the guilty go free today. I say unto you, there's another day and another hope and another time for you. This is not the end for you. But there is more for you. There is more for you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Bring your trial to the Lord this morning. 
Bring your verdict to the Lord this morning. Bring the issue to the Lord this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I call upon the powers of heaven. I bind, amen, curses on people's life. Let them be bound in heaven now. I bind generational curses right now. Let them be bound in heaven right now. And I loose the Lord's favor now. May it be loosed in heaven right now at the Life Church this morning. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Won't you find somebody to pray for right now? Why don't you link up with somebody, hallelujah, that's going through a dark time right now? Amen. Hallelujah. Why don't you bless them right now? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to this message. For more content, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at The Life Church KC. Reference the episode notes for more details. Thank you.